Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us for our monthly podcast here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan, where I work as a paralegal at Running Wise and Ford. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, and I publish a weekly e-zine titled Strategies for Paralegal Seeking Excellence, and that information is available at paralegalmentor.com. And Vicki's e-zine is well worth the subscription. I always look forward to receiving it in my voicemail box every other week, uh, weekly now. Um, this is Lynn DeVenny. I'm calling from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I work for a small law firm, Elliot Pishko Morgan, that specializes in civil and workers' rights. While I specialize in workers' compensation, uh, most people invite me to talk about social media these days because of my blog for paralegals, Practical Paralegalism. I also authored a textbook for paralegals, Workers' Compensation Practice for Paralegals. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, the goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics that are important to the paralegal industry, and we think you're going to find these topics very helpful in your careers and your everyday jobs. We'll also have expert guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. And of course, we have our sponsors. Today, we welcome our sponsor, Terris, and that's T-E-R-I-S. Terris offers a full suite of litigation support services. Check it out at terris.com. E-discovery is one of the hottest topics in today's legal profession, so... With us today, we have two experts in the field of e-discovery who will share their insights into current trends and what it takes to work in this specialty area. We are very pleased to have Tom Mile, a well-known e-discovery expert and legal technology speaker. Tom is a consultant with Fios and a co-host with Dennis Kennedy of the Kennedy Mile Report, a very popular Legal Talk Network podcast. Hi, Tom, and welcome. Could you please tell us a little bit more about you and what you do? Hi, Lynn and Vicki. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I, uh, as, as Lynn said, I am a uh, member of the Professional Services Group at FIOS. FIOS is an all-service uh full-service electronic discovery company. As part of the professional services group, I work with corporations primarily to help them improve their practices surrounding e-discovery. So they're able to have an e-discovery program that uh, is defensible, that is repeatable, and that uh, allows corporations to consistently meet their discovery obligations. Thanks, Tom. And we're also pleased that Dorothy Howell, a senior paralegal at EI DuPont DeNamers and Company, could join us today. Dorothy is a NALA certified paralegal, and she has extensive experience in the collection and production of electronic documents. Dorothy, could you tell us just a little bit more about what you do and you know how you got trained in this particularly uh, difficult topic? Hi, and thank you for inviting me to the podcast today. Um, I've been a paralegal for about 18 years um, in different settings, um, beginning with uh, uh, solo practitioners uh, all the way to international law firms, and now for about a year and a half with the DuPont companies. 
Um, I specialize in document-intensive litigation matters, such as class actions and corporate disputes um, that have lots of documents involved. Uh, I kind of sort of fell into this, this area because years ago, there were not very many people that knew about electronic discovery, nor were they interested. Um, and it, technology's always sort of been my um, strong suit, I guess, or my interest. And so therefore, when, when years ago at the law firm, people needed to travel and collect documents, I, um, I was interested and, and recruited. Dorothy, that sounds like a great way to get started. Um, for those of our listeners who are completely new to the field of e-discovery, could you please go over the basics of electronically stored information in regard to litigation, um, assuming that for some of our listeners, this is completely new to them? Sure. Um, electronically stored information encompasses every record or document stored on your uh, computer, your laptop, including your hard drive, desktop, network drives. But that's not all. That's what people think it is. Um, it also includes uh, records stored on your cell phone, your camera, your PDA, flash drives, um, external hard drives, information stored on Facebook pages and other websites created by people. So although it's commonly known that, that an electronically stored record is a document that you create on your computer, there's a lot more to it than that. Now, Tom, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I think that I think that that, that uh, Dorothy got most of. Uh, that's what I would describe as electronically stored information. I just usually tell people that if if it's uh, if it's capable of being stored on your computer, if it's something that you create, whether it's on the internet, whether it's somewhere uh, on your computer, on a network somewhere, it's fair game as electronically stored information, as long as it contains data that could be relevant in uh, a lawsuit or some sort of investigation. Okay. Now, we do hear about the electronic discovery reference model, and I'd like to know, if could you tell our listeners just a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, the electronic discovery reference model was created a number of years ago by some legal technology folks, uh, George Socia and Tom Gelbman. And it was sort of came about as the result of uh, uh, the need to bring some standards to the field of e-discovery. Uh, what it does is it takes the e-discovery process, the life cycle of e-discovery, and breaks it down into some very discrete phases to make it easier for people to understand those different phases. And, the, and they are identification, preservation, collection, processing, review, and production. So they begin when you receive a request for electronic documents uh, through a request for production in a lawsuit or in an investigation. You have to first identify the documents. And the EDRM takes you through all of the steps through production of those electronic documents. Sort of underlying all of that is the idea of information governments and records management. If if your company, if if whoever you are, happen to be, don't have a good information governance program, it makes it that much harder to respond to electronic discovery. It's probably, I think, the EDRM is probably one of the first and best places to learn about e-discovery. You can go look at all of the standards and the working groups at uh, edrm.net, I think, is, is the website. Great. I'm going to put that as a favorite in my browser. Um, this question is for both of you. Um, this is for listeners currently working in e-discovery. What are the hot topics and trends, including new technology in the field of e-discovery? Uh, and Dorothy, you want to answer this first? I think the hot topics differ um, in the different settings. I think they're different in in-house uh, than they are in the law firms. Hot topics definitely in-house for us within the DuPont companies are um, how can we most 
cost-effectively um, do our collections uh, within the guidelines of our corporate governance, um, you know, in order to avoid sanctions, yet narrowing the scope of discovery as, as much as possible. Um, the trends and with respect to new technology, we're always looking for uh, new, faster, more effective ways to review documents and process them. Um, and one of the, uh, you know, of course, you know, a, a program out today um, is outdated tomorrow, unfortunately. Um, so I'm always looking for new new technology out there. And uh, a program that I'm using a lot now is uh, using discussion thread reviewing. Um, Tom, in your opinion, what are the uh, hot topics and trends that people should be on the lookout for? You know, there are there are a bunch, and I, I really only focus on two, and they kind of tag along with what Dorothy is saying, and, and that's the need that corporations who tend to be defendants most often in, in lawsuits and litigation um, is the need for them to reduce their costs. And, and there's two ways, I think, that are sort of interesting now that, that corporations are, are trying to do this. And, and one of them is through what we call early case assessment. There are those cases where uh, they may not be a very high dollar. You may want to figure out what, what have I got myself into here? What kind of case do we have? And, and so there are ways that you can take a sampling of electronically stored information from your computers, from your data sources to make a quick determination. Is this something we want to settle quickly? Are we in this for the long haul? What, uh, what kind of information Information are we looking at? And, and there are some interesting new technologies that are making it easier for companies to do that without going through full-blown e-discovery. The other th- uh, topic that I think is really interesting is the whole concept of search. Uh, the, the idea that there is just so much data that is possibly relevant in a lawsuit uh, means that it's n- nearly impossible for, uh, for, for lawyers, for reviewers to go through those documents and, and easily get out the privileged and, and non-responsive documents without missing something. And so what a lot of people are trying to work on is the idea of, of using search to make it easier to get uh, to, to cull down those documents. And, and what's interesting is that these search tools aren't all, all that great. They aren't working as well as we'd like them to. But uh, concept search is a, a, a new feature in searching for concepts rather than keywords. But I think that that's going to be one of the big issues over the next couple of years. Okay. We do have a lot more questions for both of you, but it's time to take a short break to hear messages from our sponsors. So we'll be right back. Terrace is a full-service litigation support solution provider that works with law firms and Fortune 500 companies to provide consultation-based solutions, state-of-the-art technologies, and experienced project management. Terrace understands the unique demands and processes required during litigation. Our clients spend less time and money through all phases of case management. Discover how our streamlined suite of litigation support services can help you save time, increase accuracy, and drive savings. For more information, call 877-99-TERRACE or visit terrace.com. That's T-E-R-I-S. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. 
Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code PV for a 25% discount. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and with me is my co-host, Linda Venny. One quick program note. You can subscribe to the Paralegal Voice, and the price is right because it's free. You can do that by either going to Legal Talk Network at www.legaltalknetwork.com. The RSS feed is right on the homepage, or you can subscribe to the program in the podcast directory of iTunes. That way, you'll get each new edition automatically without having to search for it. Our guests today are Tom Mile of Fios, a well-known technology speaker, and Dorothy Howell, a paralegal with extensive experience in gathering electronic data. Happy to have you both today. And we're talking about e-discovery trends. Again, and this is for listeners new to e-discovery, how do paralegal responsibilities differ between an in-house legal department and outside law firms? Um, I've been on both sides of the fence. Um, and I find that there's a huge difference between um, outside law firms and in-house um, paralegals. Uh, an outside law firm, their mission is to, um, as quickly as possible, gather everything. And because of that, they tend to um, broaden the scope a lot, uh, which makes many in-house departments very, uh, very nervous. Um, because the, the, you know, the, the amount of documents that you're at that point gathering is enormous. Um, from an in-house legal point of view, um, it then depends on how the, how the corporation manages their litigation matters. Many corporations just outsource to a law firm and say, here, um, here's a, a litigation matter. This is what you do. Uh, do whatever it is that you need to do to get rid of it. Um, at the DuPont companies, we manage things a little bit differently. We control our outside law firms, so we really manage the litigation in-house and um, hire law firms simply to uh, be our outside counsel. So from my perspective, um, I, I control what happens, how we, how we collect documents, how we process them, um, how many documents, what the scope of our hold orders is, and, and the scope of what we collect from our employees. So I think there's a huge difference. Um, between, you know, the approach from both sides. I, I, I agree with, with Dorothy. I, I'd like to be a little, go back to a little bit more of the basics and talk about the EDRM and say that, that typically, and some companies, and, and DuPont may be a little different in this, but, but typically the way that it has, has generally been handled in terms of looking at that EDRM of identification, preservation, collection, processing, review, and production, I'll call it IPC and PRP, usually the IPC, that first part, is handled in-house. The paralegals in-house are going to be more responsible for the identification, preservation, and collection aspects than the outside counsel's paralegals, uh, especially with regard to the preservation issues. Sending out legal holds, managing and monitoring legal holds is a huge responsibility of in-house paralegals that, that, I've been, that I've talked to, that I'm uh, working with. Uh, outside counsel, although in-house counsel and in-house paralegals will deal with the processing, review, and production 
election. Um, that's more been the responsibility traditionally of outside counsel. They will send it to a vendor. They will engage in the review. They will be responsible for pr- for the production. And that's that's generally how I see the differences between paralegal responsibilities. They're sort of working on different ends of the EDRM, although I think in-house paralegals tend to work the whole spectrum more than outside paralegals. Actually sounds like a great deal of responsibility um, for a a paralegal. Um, If you keep up with the legal news, there seems to be a shortage of qualified e-discovery specialists right now. Is this the case in you guys' experience? Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think you're probably referring to the Social Geldman survey, yes. which talks about the fact that uh, that there uh, that the the people who are out there that there are very few people who actually would call themselves qualified or who are actually qualified to be an e-discovery. And I think that's the case. I think that if you look at uh, at uh, what some of the litigation support recruiters are doing, they they're saying that the uh, the market's wide open. There's lots of places available, both for litigation support and paralegals in this field. Um, but that said. The people who are filling these positions don't necessarily have the training and the qualifications to be there. I, I completely agree. So where are they going to get it? Um, if they're if they're working in the field right now and they're interested in heading in that direction, where are they going to get this training other than on the job? Um, are there any schools, programs, certifications? You know, from a paralegal perspective, there isn't really a school. I think what you have to do is if you have not the ability, but the, if that is what you want to do, you have to go after it on a lot of different aspects. Um, there are many vendors out there that have uh, newsletters, podcasts, um, different uh, seminar training programs uh, via the Internet or via telephone at lunchtime. Um, the paralegal associations all have uh, different, you know, little programs that, where you can gain some knowledge. Local colleges sometimes have classes, although I teach at a local college here, and this is the first year that we're actually um, teaching a law office technology class as well as an e-discovery component to that. Um, So it's very new. Um, A lot of it is you have to go after it yourself. You have to find it in in a lot of different places, uh, little pieces of it, and a lot of of it is on-the-job training. Unfortunately, it's, uh, you know, baptism by submersion on this one. I was going to say really trial by trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that too. Right. Dor- Dorothy's, Dorothy's. If I could say, Dorothy's absolutely right, and and it applies to lawyers too. I mean, they're they're not teaching lawyers about e-discovery in law school. Not much. There are a few law schools who are doing it, but they're getting very little training on these issues. And, and so, as a result, we're getting folks coming out of law school who who don't know how to how to deal with this. I I did notice uh, this is a very timely podcast. I think because I did notice that this week. Uh, Sherry Estrin uh, of Estrin Legal has come out with a call for a certification in e-discovery, and I think they've they've established an organization. I, I think it's called the Organization of Legal Professionals that uh, will offer certification in e-discovery, which I think is a, an interesting step forward. Uh, one of the things that I think, whether you're whether you're certified or not, whether you go and get education, if you have a background in technology, that's really the most important thing I think for whether you're a lawyer or a paralegal working in e-discovery, understanding how technology works, where documents can reside, where data can be, that's a huge step in, in getting the training you need to learn about e-discovery. 
Actually, Monica Bay uh, posted on the Common Skull today. She referenced uh, Ms. Estrin's uh, call for certification, and she's running a survey to see what her readers think. Um, do you guys have any thoughts either way? Is that the way it's going, or will it continue to be a variety of people with a variety of skills uh, coming into this field? Personally, I don't think you're going to find it in one spot ever, because right. even the vendors, there's a vendor, um, I believe it's Scroll on Track, that uh, has an e-discovery certification course that they offer twice a year. Um, I think you can't, you're never going to get it all in one place um, because there are so many different programs and so many different angles towards e-discovery that, that it's impossible to get one certification. Um, I think if, if this is your passion, you're going to have to just constantly learn and, and, and branch out and find your knowledge in different um, in different areas, either on the internet or via vendors or or via colleges that offer the uh, the training programs, I don't think you're ever going to find it all in one place. Nor do I think it's actually, you know, good to find it all in one place. I think that's probably true. I, I agree with that. I, I, I will say I'm intrigued by it because I think something is needed. I think that some sort of, of, of measured, formalized, standardized program is a good idea rather than having folks kind of rush to do e-discovery because it's the hot new thing. I mean, I was familiar with a lot of copy services that, uh, that all of a sudden overnight became electronic discovery companies uh, that, that didn't have very much of any experience in electronic discovery. And if the same thing could be applied to the folks who are learning about it, I think, I think we'd probably be in, in, in better shape. I just don't, I agree. I don't know if this is the right idea, but I, I'm intrigued by the possibility. Right. Well, this kind of leads into that, but can you tell us what kind of project management skills are in demand for paralegals and legal support professionals? Uh, you know, what do you think about that, Dorothy? I think what you have to have is the ability to manage a, a litigation matter from the minute it walks in the door until conclusion after you get um, the, the court decision. I think you have to be able to manage multiple aspects of the litigation from from a uh, nuts and bolts perspective, which which, which means that the, and as a matter of fact, I think the EDRM model is is perfect to sort of um, explain it away. I mean, you have to be able to do your collection, you have to be able to identify your documents, you have to be able to process them, but you have to be able to manage all those things all at the same time, and at the same time manage multiple people that you uh, delegate to. You, it's impossible to do this alone um, when you're talking about millions of documents. Right, and it sounds like you need to be able to juggle. Yes. You right. have to be able to, to you know, not get stressed out if you have 15 people that are on, that are all at the same time collecting in different locations in the country or maybe worldwide. You have to be able to manage all these, and, and, I think the only way to, to do this is by creating checklists because there's no way that any given person um, can remember everything all at the same time. So you have to be able to and willing to create checklists, have multiple tasks at the same time. You have to be able to delegate. Um, and you have to be able, you have to know that you know how to do all these things yourself in order to delegate them out properly and, you know, manage the whole project. Right. Right. Now, you know, 
that leads me into wondering, uh, you know, what you've talked about, you know, on the job training and the, and that kind of thing, and you've talked about some courses that are out there, uh, and I know you teach a course, don't you, Dorothy? Besides the the um, the college course, I think you um, tr- uh, also do something for Nala. And, and do you in these when you do this teaching, do you talk to them about these? Putting these systems and these routines in place is it's that yes. is that one of your best suggestions? Yes, I um I teach an electronic discovery um module um via um, telephone I guess or the internet. Um, it's called Electron- electronic discovery. What you should know. It's all about project management. It's all about how to, how to create checklists and and charts and Excel spreadsheets in order to manage your projects. Um, and my uh, my college course is uh, is based on the same thing. It's um, it's a course in uh, technology in the law office, and it's it's all about how to properly keep your time, how to properly manage your projects from the minute they walk in the door. How important it is to sit in on all the meetings. How important it is to um, divvy out the tasks, and um, how important it is to to create your checklists in order to manage your uh, your litigation. I, Lynn, I want to interrupt here and ask one quick question because it's not uh, it's not something we plan to ask, but you know, not everybody can uh, you know, you may work in a small firm where you don't really get the training in in e-discovery. When do people know whether to, you know, work on this themselves or to go to a service? And, and Tom, you can probably tell me that the best. Uh, you know, there got to be people out there who will handle it for a small firm. Oh, there are plenty of companies that will handle e-discovery for a, a solo, a small firm, any size firm. Uh, you know, the, the the challenge there is to find folks with the right type of experience. Um, there are, I've I've been participating with the ABA Tech Show for a number of years, and one of our most popular sessions that gets a that gets a great reviews is called uh, you know e-discovery. My case is not Enron. E-discovery for the rest of us, and talking about ways that solo and small firms and and paralegals can deal with uh, the volume. It's certainly possible to find a vendor who will deal with it. I think finding the right fit, finding someone who can do the right work for you and, and make it defensible, make it so they are, 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 are getting the information to you in a way that you can present to the court and you won't get sanctioned for it is really what's most important. So vendor selection is critical when you're looking for, really in any case, uh, uh, but if you're looking for one of the smaller vendors, you really need to to do some due diligence in looking at them. Okay. It really, it really. I, I, I'll say it, it. You need to do your due diligence with everybody. Uh, I, I just go back to my earlier statement that there are a large number of smaller companies that advertise themselves as e-discovery that don't really handle the full service that many firms require. And you just need to make sure you understand what you're getting before you you hire them. Okay. I think so too. I totally agree with that. And the truth is that the that the current trend is that everything is going electronic. We're going paperless everywhere, whether that's a solo practitioner or whether that's a large company like DuPont in its legal department. And that's my goal for our office. I'm trying to get them to go completely paperless. I am completely paperless. I have oh, like, there's not a shred of paper in my office. 
You're my hero. Right. Um, given the wealth of information out there about e-discovery, uh, if a paralegal is interested in learning more about the topic but just wanted to, to get, get her feet a little bit wet, uh, check out a few websites or follow a few blogs, um, what would be you guys' recommendations? I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and go first. I am partial to the blogs that talk primarily about case law because I am an attorney, uh, and so I'm going to recommend three blogs that I like quite a bit to learn about how the courts are dealing with e-discovery. Uh, the first one is Electronic Discovery Law. It's from K and L Gates. Uh, they have a fantastic database of just about every single e-discovery case that's ever been issued. Uh, Practical e-discovery from Henshaw and Culbertson does a very nice job, and if you want a very very entertaining and educational read. You should look at eDiscovery Team from Ralph Losey at Ackerman Centerfit. He he's right. He writes his books from his blogs, and so the posts are very long, but they're very educational, very entertaining. I'll leave you with one last very geeky way to learn about it. If you're familiar with Twitter and you use RSS feeds to get information, go to Twitter search and do a search on eDiscovery. I have a search that's set up, and every day I receive links to dozens of articles about e-discovery to learn about them from different vendors, from law firms, from consultants all over the internet. And that's a lot easier for me than to try and find out which blogs have the right information. I just make it all come to me through Twitter. Tom, you just stole my social media tip for the day. So, But I have my search <laughs> columns, my favorite search columns set up in Twitter too. But Tom, Very don't, don't you have a blog? I do have a blog, but I don't talk about e-discovery on the blog. Okay. Uh, I've uh, that 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 blog is is uh, primarily legal technology and and uh, internet legal research and social media, and I don't talk as much about e-discovery on it. I would if I if I you let me toot my own horn, I would point you to Discerning e-discovery, which is the Fios blog that all the uh, the professional services folks and some of the the thought leaders at Fios contribute to. It's a, it's a great blog too. Okay, Dorothy, do you have any suggestions? Yeah, I think blogs are great if you're already experienced in e-discovery. I think they're very overwhelming when you know nothing about e-discovery. I would point people particularly to the larger vendors and their newsletters. Um, I think they, uh, because what they do is they discuss uh, current case law and new trends that come out. I think it's maybe a, a softer way of, you know, sort of introducing new people to e electronic discovery. Blogs are great. I read them all, <laughs> but they can get somewhat overwhelming. Can you do you have the names of a couple of those e-zines? I think somebody had told me that Crawl on Track has a nice e-zine. Um, do you have some recommendations for ones I, that people might want to subscribe to? I follow two of them, and that's Fios and Crawl on Track. Excellent. I think those are the two best ones out there. And, and let me let me chime in. Uh, in addition to the to the e-zines, Fios I think has some of the best on-demand webcasts that are available. In fact, we've just yes. finished a series of podcasts for paralegals and lit support folks, uh, and they're free. And if you don't catch them live, then you can come and download them anytime. I listened to Amy Curry's uh, webcast about two weeks ago and found it really informative. And then had a nice discussion with her on LinkedIn. It's very nice. Um, I'd like to uh, thank Tom Mile of Fios for joining us today. Thank, thank you, Tom. you so much. And thanks to our guest, Dorothy Howell, for sharing your experience regarding e-discovery. You're welcome. If you have questions, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. Lynn and I will be posting show notes for the e-discovery podcast at our respective blogs, and we'll be sure to include helpful links 
including those that our guests have talked about. And those links will be for more information about this topic, including, uh, as I said, including the links that are referenced in this podcast. We're going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. We'll be right back. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Monitor live depositions from anywhere with West Live Note Real Time. Observe every hesitation, every sidelong glance, and every drop of sweat from the deponent. You and other team members can privately instant message with the deposing attorney. You can act as second chair and annotate your live transcript. Look up facts and definitions, find conflicting testimony, and even offer suggestions for the line of questioning. All live. For more information about West Live Note, Call 1-800-762-5272 or visit LiveNote.com. The new paralegal profession is a high-profile career choice. Highly educated professionals work alongside lawyers in a fast-paced legal world that demands a new breed of paralegal with respected credentials and finely honed skills. The George Washington University's online master's degree in paralegal studies provides you with the opportunity to earn the most prestigious paralegal credential available. You'll gain the skills, knowledge, and abilities you need to act with confidence. Visit paralegal.onlinegwu.com forward slash legal talk or call 1-866-232-0232, extension 3421, to learn more about this unique program. Well, Lynn, we're at the end of our program, and this is when we give our announcements and events. And uh, this month I'm off to the Iowa Association of Legal Assistants to talk to them about ethics and technology. And I picked up a few more tips today, so this will be great. Uh, I do have one quick practice tip, and that has a little bit to do with e-discovery, and that is from the very beginning of setting up a file and beginning to work on a case, paralegals really need to be thinking about discovery, what they're going to need in the future, uh, you know, if they go to trial or or not, they still need to do discovery. And so uh, they should be looking at that and and also looking at deadlines for statutes of limitations and things like that right from the get-go. And do you have a social media tip? Well, Tom stole it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? I recommend to all of you to use your social media to keep up with the latest legal technology news. Uh, and that can include a couple of sources. Uh, some of the LinkedIn groups and litigation support and technology have great discussions. Uh, follow those, jump in, or, or just follow them if you're not comfortable at this point. Uh, Twitter, you can do Twitter searches for subjects that interest you, uh, including paralegals, cloud computing, or e-discovery, as we discussed today. And TweetDeck is a great application uh, to set up multiple search columns for subjects that interest you. Also, uh, join a couple of state and national legal listservs. Um, a lot of times the technology discussions are just 
completely priceless, and uh, I've learned a lot about various technology available. And also, as we discussed during this podcast, um, follow some blogs in your area of specialty or your subject of interest. Uh, Those are usually extremely helpful, and a lot of times those bloggers will refer you to other helpful bloggers. That's about all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. Uh, don't forget to check out the show notes on our respective blogs. Vicki's blog is paralegalmentor.com, and mine is practicalparalegalism.com. This is Vicki Voison. And this is Lynn DeVenny. Thanking you all for joining us today and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. Thanks for listening to the Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.